0: Welcome to The Well Podcast. We pray that this message ministers to you and blesses you as you listen. So I'm going to start with this this statement. God doesn't show off in our lives for us. You know, He just doesn't. He shows off in our lives for His glory, that's the whole reason that he does what he does. It's all, it benefits us, but it's all for his glory. And, uh, and so he has so much more in store for us than we, than we have in store for ourselves. And so what I would like to do is, um, is read through Ezekiel 37. And I'm going to read it in the NLT. So we got a nice passage for giving, and we're about to get a nice other passage of the word of the Lord because we cannot get too much of it. It's alive and active. The Lord took a hold of me. This is Ezekiel, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. I'm actually going to read it out of my Bible because I made a few notes. (laughs) They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then he asked, son of man, can these bones become living people again? "O oh, sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is... Wh- This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you, cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. I spoke this message just as he told me. Suddenly, as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then, as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones. Then the skin formed to cover the bodies, but they still had no breath in them. Then he said to me, Speak a prophetic message to the winds, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, This is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so that they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me, and breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and stood up on their feet a great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying, we have become old dry bones. All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. Therefore, prophesy to them and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Oh, my people, I will open your graves of exile and cause you to rise again. Then I will bring you back to the land of Israel. When this happens, oh, my people, you will know that I am the Lord and I will put my spirit in you and you will live again and return home to your own land. Then you will know that I the Lord have spoken and I have done what I said yes the Lord has spoken (sighs) then take another piece and oh wait wait Again, a message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, take a piece of wood and carve on it these words. This represents Judah and its allied tribes. Then take another piece and carve these words on it. These represent Ephraim and the northern tribes of Israel. Now hold them together in your hand as if they were one piece of wood. When your people ask you what your actions mean, say to them, This is what the sovereign Lord says. I will take Ephraim and the northern tribes and join them to Judah. I will make them one piece of wood in my hand. Then hold out the pieces of wood you have inscribed so the people can see them and give them this message from the sovereign Lord. I will gather the people of Israel from among the nations. I will bring them home to their own land from the places where they have been scattered. I will unify them into one nation on the mountains of Israel. One king will rule them all. No longer will they be divided into two nations or into two kingdoms. They will never again pollute themselves with their idols and vile images and rebellion, for I will save them for their sinful backsliding. I will cleanse them. Then they will truly be my people and I will be their God. My servant David will be their king and they will uh, have only one shepherd. They will obey my regulations and be careful to keep my decrees. They will live in the land I gave my servant Jacob, the land where their ancestors lived. They and their children and their grandchildren after them will live there forever, generation after generation. And my servant David will be their prince forever. And I will make a covenant, a covenant of peace with them, an everlasting covenant. I will give them their land and increase their numbers. I will put my temple among them forever. I will make my home among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. And when my temple is among them forever, the nations will know that I am the Lord who makes Israel holy. I have many, many, many times heard the Valley of Dry Bones story. I have never or not often heard the second half of the story. We always want to talk about the dry bones coming to life, but we never really talk about the purpose for that. Oftentimes, what we talk about is how does this benefit me? My dead things are going to come back to life, right? And that's a great and wonderful thing. But you remember when I said that he does things in us and through us for his glory. They benefit us and we get to receive those benefits, but it's ultimately for his glory. And as you read through Ezekiel 37, as it gets into the second half of that passage of scripture, I mean, and I love all the prophetic, everything that happens in the first part of 37. Love it. And can dive into that and stay there and marinate in it for a long time. And I would love to do that for you this morning and we'll just see what happens. But what I think is so incredible is that God knew all along why he wanted to bring those dry bones back to life. It wasn't just to allow Ezekiel to have a cool experience in the valley of dry bones to see these come back together. And, um, but it was really so that he could bring Judah back to, he could bring Israel back to himself. And that they could regain their territory. Yeah. And so it looked like he wanted to establish him as their God. He was always doing that in the Old Testament. He always wanted to be their God, but they just struggled to allow that to happen, much like we struggle to allow him to be our God, truly. And when he talks about the one temple that's going to be among them forever, he's talking about Jesus. He's he's already prophesying or speaking, foretelling of Jesus to come, the king that would rule and reign. And so there's some very interesting things that tie into um, some of the uh, message that I got to share last time I got to share with you, which talked about... um, Moses going up on the mountain, ascending the mountain, and God saying, I did this. And as I got to read through Ezekiel 37, did you guys hear how many times God said I in that passage of Scripture? I will, I gave, I send," I will. It's all about what he's doing in us. And through us and around us and for us. If we, like Ezekiel, will surrender our will and we'll begin to prophesy and we'll begin to declare the things that he is telling us to prophesy and to declare. So what does it mean to prophesy? You want to know what the definition is? Because we do throw around that word a lot. So when when it talks about, when it says uh, in verse 4, for example, it says... Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. And then he goes on to declare uh, what the Lord is telling him to declare. So in my definition of prophetic, I am going to give you this definition and it is speaking something that is not and it becomes. Okay, so you're speaking. So there are two things about prophecy. Prophecy is either foretelling or forthtelling. So it can either be telling something that has not happened yet, and so you're prophesying that it will happen, or that you have knowledge of something that is about to happen. Okay, so that's the power of our words. So we prophesy often. Just what are we prophesying? What are we foretelling, and what are we forthtelling, right? So we need to be aware that when we do that, and um, in the New Testament, in First Corinthians 14, I believe, because it's First Corinthians 13, that's the love chapter, right, Daryl? Okay. So First Corinthians 14, it talks. It says that we should all desire the gift of prophecy. We should all desire the gift to prophesy. Why? Because life and death is in the power of the tongue. And so we're releasing words whether we want to or not. So, what are we declaring over our situations? And how are we prophesying and speaking into the things in our life and the people around us and our nation and our region and all the things? What are we declaring? So just like Ezekiel, oftentimes we'll hear the word of the Lord. We'll hear it in us, around us. We'll get that unction, that little nudge to say something. And it may not even look like truth to us. Like in the natural, I'm about to say this, but it is not. But we are prophesying to that. We are foretelling and foretelling as to what is to come from that thing. So that it will then begin to produce. Just like this valley of dry bones. I have to think when Ezekiel got there, he was like, what? You know, and what's the first thing that God said to him? Can these bones live? Ezekiel, can these bones live? And Ezekiel's like, well, Lord, you, you know, you know. Like, and right there he was surrendering his will to the will of the Father. Because he could have been like, no, they can't. There's no life in these dry, dead bones. Dry, dead. Like they were, it was, there was no life. They'd been laying there long enough that there was nothing left on those bones to be resurrected without the hand of God. But Ezekiel knew enough to surrender his will. So let's look here. So many things about this that I find interesting. So there's this rattling, which is one of the first things that he begins to hear as he begins to prophesy over these bones. And I think this rattling is really important. And I honestly, if, if I'm being transparent with you when I read this passage of scripture, I feel like that's where we're at right now is that there's a rattling taking place. And I believe that Uh, the timing of NLG and all the things that are taking place, that we will move past the rattling and that the breath of God is going to blow on these dry bones and it's no longer just going to be a rattle, but that mighty army is going to rise up. That mighty army is coming. And they're going to take their place. And why did that mighty army arise? So that they could reestablish territory. Exactly. Exactly. And so I encourage you while we're in the rattling phase to begin to prophesy. While we have 19 days before we get to NLG, um, we need to begin to prophesy over the dry bones. We don't have to wait till we get there. We can go ahead and begin to do that. We can go ahead and begin to do the first work of what God wants to do so that by the time we're done, we're already reclaiming territory. That's what I want to see. By the time that weekend is over, we're going to reclaim territory. Now, see, the only reason I find um, I, I, it's not even a struggle, but it boggles my mind a little bit, is that God actually chose the date for this event. He spoke the date. He was that specific, April 1st and 2nd. And when he spoke it to me, I didn't even know what day of the week that was on. I had to go to a calendar to look and see because it was just so clear. So I know there's an exact specific reason that this conference and this gathering has to take place when it is. I remember meeting with Kim and we were talking. I don't know if you remember this. (laughs) And she was sitting across the table from me and we were talking about the date and I and and uh, and she looked at me, she's like, but there's we've got outages at cook that weekend or they start and we're talking about all the reasons why. And I said, But God said it. Like I was like, God, I don't know how to change like God said it. And she didn't say anything else. <laughs> but I couldn't change the date because he had already marked it on the calendar, you know. And we just had to know that God was going to begin to unfold those things. And so we have to be sensitive to what God is saying to us and obedient to the things. He is, he can be very specific. And in this particular instance, he is. And so that tells me that there's a specific mandate. And so every one of you that are sacrificing in one way or another to be a part of it or even changing your plans to be here, I highly recommend it. And everyone that you know needs to be here, and especially for this region, because we know a specific mandate on the house for regional breakthrough, and this house carries that, and I'm telling you, the speakers that he brought together is exactly that, and we're going to begin to hear that. Every one of them have a heart for this region in this area, and that is so strategic, and he ordered that and lined that up perfectly, because we began to look out and send invitations to those that we thought might be the right ones, and God decided who were the right ones to be here. And I love that, because his plans are so much better than my plans. And I will surrender them to him anytime. So it goes on to talk about, in there, about the four winds. And so I thought that was very interesting, because um, what do the four winds represent in Scripture? And so uh, what kind of in my own revelation and asking God, is that the four winds represent the whole earth. The whole earth. And so when, when he tells Ezekiel to call to the four winds so that the breath of God can be released over those bones so that they'll live, he's saying the whole earth, which is full of his glory. In Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, it says, King Uzziah died in 740 B.C., That I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. They were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The earth is filled with his glory. I wish I could preach on Isaiah 6, but I'm not going to. So if God is, great, is the greater of all things, then his breath uh, represents, is present in the winds. Does that make sense? So he, that is why when the breath of God sweeps through the valley and enters into the bodies in the valley and their lungs inflate with breath again, they begin to live. When a baby is born, the baby, when it is in the womb, it does not, its lungs are forming. Like if, if, um, like with Garrett, when he was going to be born, they gave you medicine to cause his lungs to begin to develop quickly. Because they knew that once he came out, those lungs needed to start working. And so, because when a baby is inside, it's getting oxygen through the mother's blood. Little anatomy lesson here for those of you that may know or not know. But as soon as that, what is the one thing we want to hear when a baby is born? We want to hear it cry, right? Because we know it's t- taking a breath. But see, it's God that puts the breath into those lungs, it has nothing to do with man but everything to do with God. Not only did he breathe the breath of life into Adam in the garden, but he continues to breathe the breath of life into every living creature. Isn't it amazing? It's amazing. blows my mind that he consistently does that. And some babies don't cry when they're first born because they're still, attached to the, they're still attached to their mom. And so they're still receiving oxygen through the umbilical cord. But eventually we'll hear that cry. And we, we wait with bated breath for that to happen. Right? We're like, come on, God. Fill those lungs with air because we want to hear that baby cry. And then about two weeks later, we're like, Lord... Can that baby stop crying? (laughs) But it sure sounds good when it starts, doesn't it? So in verse 11, it says, Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. I would like for you to insert your name there, or your nation, or your family's name, and then read the rest of this passage as it pertains to you. And those things that you want to see come back to life, the territory that you want to regain, that God has promised to you. What are the promises that he's made that you have yet to see fulfilled? Begin to insert yourself there. We could say, then he said to me, son of man, these bones represent the people of the well. They are saying, we have become old, dry bones. All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. Because when we look around, just like Kimberly was saying, when I look around, it's hard for me to have hope. It's hard for me to see. It causes us to be uneasy. But instead, instead of us complaining like that, then we have to know what does the sovereign Lord say? And he goes on to say in verse 12, Oh, my people. He calls us his people. We're his people. And it says, I will. What's he going to do? He's going to open the graves of exile, the places that we were not able to go, that we were not supposed to go and cause you to rise again. The places that look like they have been taken from you, he is going to open those up to your, so that you can have access to those things. That's what he's breathing on. Then I will bring you back to the land of the well, of Benton Harbor, of Southwest Michigan, of our nation. We want God to breathe. We want to begin to prophesy the things out of our mouth that's going to bring life to dead, dry things. We want to begin to declare that so that we can change, uh, change a region. He wants to use us to do that. Live again. And I love what he says. He begins to talk about unity. He begins to talk about because the the nations of Israel had split. You know, there were 10 in one region and two in the other region. And through this passage of Scripture, God begins to say, I want to bring them back together. And I want you to begin to prophesy for for foretelling of what I want to see come. So take these two pieces of wood and then put them together. So that the people will know that I want unity. I want one body. One body. So that I can give you the territory that I have promised you. So unity is so important for us. And it's interesting when you think about... um, If you spend some time with me and things come up and we talk about issues, we talk a lot about the little foxes. And that passage of Scripture is actually in Song of Solomon. It's in Song of Solomon, I think, chapter 2, at the very bottom of that passage of Scripture. And if you read Song of Solomon, chapter 2, it's all lovey-dovey, and it's the bridegroom loving on the bride and telling her that he is just calling her in and come away with me, and I want to love on you, and all of these adorations of his affection. But then at the very bottom, he says, but don't let, don't let those little foxes come in because those little foxes will want to spoil the vine. And so it's so significant for us to understand that he is wooing us, just like Wade said today. (laughs) I just love the way it's all swirling in my head. I'm not sure it's all connecting for y'all, but my brain's like, what? But here Wade is telling us about the covenant, the marriage covenant that he's making to us, and he's wanting to breathe on dead things so that we can regain territory, and he wants us to walk in unity, but we got to destroy those little foxes. We can't allow those little foxes to come in and affect our unity. We cannot allow that to happen because we are one body made up of many parts. But every part is important and significant. And Katie brought out a couple weeks ago about the bones representing the unity of the body coming together of of other denominations and other races of people, other tribes and other nations coming together. And we're all going to sing holy, holy, holy around the throne. We're all going to be there and he wants us to be in unity so that he can be our god. He we've got to have that so that he can be our god. I just want to point out from verse 20 there's just a few times <laughs> just a few times that he says I will. I. So he says I will gather the people. I will bring them home to their land. I will unify them into one nation. One king will rule over them. That's Jesus, right? They will never again pollute themselves with their idols. Let's just lay that stuff down, right? Once we encounter him, once we encounter the bridegroom, those other things cannot compare. They pale in comparison to the bridegroom. Then he says, I will save them from their sinful Backsliding ways, I will cleanse them. I will be their God. I gave my servant Jacob and their land to their ancestors. He's already prepared land territory slated for you. You already have an inheritance, and it's time that we grab a hold of that inheritance. I will give them their land. I will put my temple among them. I will make my home among them. Oh, my God, that's what I want. Make your home with me, among me. Let me be your dwelling place. Let this be a place that you are. I want that desperately. Who wants it? Y'all coming with me? We going together? I will be their God, and they will be my people. I am the Lord who makes Southwest Michigan holy. That is who we are. That is what he wants for us. We want to thank you for listening in today. At The Well, we believe in cultivating a culture for more of God. Wherever you are in your relationship and walk with God, we believe that there is always more for those who diligently seek after him. If you would like to find out more, please check out our website at thewellmichigan.com. Connect with us on social media.